Hey kids, a quick interjection from Rob before we get started with the true kickoff of Monstober. This is your reminder to check out patreon.com slash cinemodities, the official Cinemodities Patreon, where you can subscribe, check it out, see what bonus content's on there, things like that. If you still, after two and a half years of this podcast, are having difficulty spelling the name of it, the link to this website will also be in the show notes. We hope you check it out. Things are going to be posted every 1st and the 15th of the month, with something already existing on there by the time this releases, and we hope you enjoy us enough to support us in some way. Really appreciate it if you do. With that out of the way, we can now get into a discussion for which Rob is very excited, probably way too excited, because this is the first thing he got to record with Zach since his initial hiatus. Enjoy. podcast about cinematic oddities, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classics swamp. I'm Rob, and I am very happy to announce that we have a guest host on this episode of Cinemodities that nobody saw coming. His name is Zach, I think. Is it? Or is it you? I'm back, motherfucker. What the fuck? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I got... Okay, I swear. Jesus Christ. I got... Here's my W-2s. Here's the employees that we've hired at the restaurant here... Here are my affidavits of existence. Um, I'm sorry, Zach. Zach, I'm so sorry. I swear the restaurant has been up to snuff. I swear. I mean, what what do you need from me? I'm, Zach is back, and he's the 49% owner of the restaurant. I'm having a tough time right now, everybody. Can you please take it over, Zach? I'm having a tough time. All right, I'm having folks. the toughest I- of times. <laughs> I'm back in the saddles. As what Rob, the fuck? Why? Rob, Why did you do this to me? As, as Rob has his nervous breakdown, ah! on, I will continue. Um, I am back. I had to come back from Monstober. Uh, I've been gone roughly for what, Rob? Four months now, give or take? Ah! I'm pretty sure that is agreement in the nervous breakdown speak. Um, I swear, yeah. Zach, I've only... Everybody that's been employed at the restaurant has gotten a jizzle. I swear to you, Zach. Everybody's gotten a jizzle. I swear. Rob, I fucking Rob, you're swear. Saying, you're saying this is if I haven't been at the restaurant. This <laughs> <laughs> but Rob, I, I think our, I think I, I have to I have to say thank you to Rob for many reasons. But the first and foremost reason is that I know every week he's giving you guys an update as to what I've been doing at the restaurant. But, Rob, you have to admit now, that was all a cover-up for the true 
mission that I've been on these last few months in uh, preparation for Monstober. I, I'm glad you bring this up, Zach, because while everything I've ever said about Zach at the restaurant has been true, he has 100% been— 100% factual. 100% factual. Um, Zach took a break from the podcast so he could watch all of The Sopranos. Is that correct? Can we talk about The Sopranos? Real quick. No, Rob. No, Rob. I've had I've had Revolver on repeat this entire time. Oh, you've been watching. Okay, that uh, watching The Sopranos in its entirety versus watching Revolver on repeat for three to nine months. That's yes. also fair. I swear, though, Zach. Everybody has a jizzle that needs a jizzle. I swear. I'm not damn straight. I'm not. I'm. Oh, God damn it, Zach. Zach Even is the only person who gets. Fucking like Rob is having a heart attack right now because his employer is back. It's Zach. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I did a rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, folks! But yes, I am back. And Rob, should I disclose to our audience what I've been working on these last four I, and a half months? I think it's totally up to you. I would love for you to talk to our audience in a candid way. Because our audience has grown in such a fantastic way, whether it be the two people that are now a member of the Cinemodity subreddit or whether it just be me. I think that, you know, hey, one to two, that's a 200% increase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. But yes, I, I apparently there's a Cinemodity subreddit. Thank you, Maximo. I I am going to abstain from Reddit, but <laughs> thanks. Um, he he is no. also our time vortex lawyer. You've missed a lot, Zach. He is forging death certificates for us when we kill our employees with the face huggers that birth better employees. Just so you know. Hmm. Mm. Well, that's good because what I've been working on these last few months is in preparation for Monstober, I took one of Rob's favorite things we were ever, we ever devised for the restaurant, Woo! and I'm combining it with another thing that we had a few months ago. I took the word processor of the gods, <gasps> and I, har- I jerry-rigged it and so we can have seance modities this Monstober. What? You, you were the one who said we couldn't use it for anything other than health inspectors. Are you telling me that, Zach, you misused your power in the restaurant? I anything, – anything – what goes on in the Mars 2112 space stays in the Mars 2112 space. Can I just ask you, Zach, <laughs> how, how real the restaurant is? You've been there. For the last few months, this is real, right? Just can I get a quick sound bite of you saying the restaurant is real? The re- the restaurant is real. It's in the very former space of Mars twenty one twelve in real. Times Square, but it's also an infinite void. Times Square, very real. Fuck you, haters. <laughs> I li- it's an underground space. Yet this whole time for the last few months, I've been living in the Raptors. So I explain that, folks. Even though Zach and I talked. For a good bit before this recording, even though Zach and I have been in contact a long time once Cinematis has been going on without him, I am just having a time over here. I'm so glad you're back, (laughs) Zach. I'm having a fucking time, and I think that our audience is going to have a time, too. 
Um, so, so just real quick, I need to ask you, how is the Thousand Children War going? The Thousand Children War? Ha- have you read the Cinemodities spreadsheet of what you've been doing, which R- Rob, Rob totally I made Rob, up? I don't need to read what I've experienced in real time. There's about a thousand children that are at war in our restaurant because half of them are calling people and the other half of them aren't calling people <laughs> the great war <laughs> dude i don't even know i i i should have prepared better than i have for this recording because Zach is back, everybody. I'm. I'm just gonna stop. Please continue. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm losing it right now. Uh, I'm having a time. I guess that's the best way to say it. I'm having. Rob is having a time. Uh, yes, so, do you want to talk about uh, the Sopranos real quick or Spirited no. Away? Rob, this is Monstober. <laughs> it is Monstober. I guess there is no better way to introduce Zach back into the Cinemodities fray than. Mon Stober. And I, I, I've reached out to him in the past. I asked him many times, Zach, I, Mon Stober will be ruined without you. And he went, oh, I guess. And I went, no, 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 you don't guess. You are right. Mon Stober, if you let me pick Mon Stober, it's going to be earnest movies for a, a whole month. And Zach said, I- no, 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 I can't do that. We need me back. And here he is, folks. <laughs> well, folks, I want everybody to know that the thing that really got me to sit there do this was that Rob was explaining to me that one of the other many false Zacks, the false idols that have been parading around as me these last few months, was asking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm I, like, so this is I what David Lynch felt like when he that... came back for the last few episodes of Twin Peaks season two. It's like, oh, you have to clean up the mess that, that everybody else was making while I was gone. Nadine and... thinks she's a teenager? Fuck that! <laughs> I have to say... Um, but yes, I can. You... I, there's many things that I can abide by. I cannot abide by anybody stepping on my Monstober. No, no. Monsto- As I've said numerous times, Monstober is not a month. It is a state of mind. You are correct, Zach. And I think at the same time when you were like, I need control of Monstober, talking about The Rock, which we did last month, The Rock series... That's over and done with, I think, even though we've only recorded one episode at the time of this talk. Another thing I said to Zach was somebody that I know wants to talk about Midsummer, And you went, oh, God, no, fuck that. I'm coming back. <laughs> I will do That's... everything in my power to prevent Midsummer on the podcast. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. that that's a thing that happened. Oh, don't yeah. you even fucking lie to me. You didn't forget about that. That's the whole motif of you coming back. Bad horror movies are Zach's reason for cinemodities, and I love it. I have to say, I love it. I mean, Zach has picked the entirety of Monstober, whether we have other uh, people discussing these movies with us or not. Zach is back in full form, folks. He has picked these movies, and I'm so fucking excited about this. Technically, I've picked three quarters of Monstober. Like, any good Monstober season, one film is very... One week is very much still in flux. I am not a monster! <laughs> That's still in the air. That's, it's either that or... God, I... 
Hey, 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 I'll take either of those at this point. I'm starved for, like, literally, I I get more than the audience from Zach's material. I'm I'm in a special place where Zach gets to talk to me before he gets to talk to any of the Cinemati's audience. I don't care what you pick for that last Monday in Monstover, but out of everything you said to me, it's going to be David Lynch. It might not be Rabbits, but it's David Lynch, and I, I have a hard-on for that shit, Zach. Oh, I mean, if you want to talk about Rabbits real quick, you do little... Like you want to talk about Sopranos real quick? Just real no, quick. No, <laughs> get off the Sopranos thing. You cannot expect to come back and me not talk about Sopranos. Get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> I I think I speak uh, in all seriousness uh, before we get into fully the topic of discussion. I think we've shot the shit for enough time. Zach, I am very glad that you are back. On Cinemonides, not only because you are half of the namesake of it, but you are picking Monstober. You are a great mind that we want to hear more from. In these coming months, years, decades, we oh, hope God, you don't no. leave. God, no. No decades. Years, years, tops, years. No decades. So, with that being said, <laughs> Zach... You Suicide are, humor on a movie podcast. You are the Monstober master. You have picked every movie, for the most part, in the last two Monstobers, and I've gotten you back for 2020 Monstober. And I'm very happy to have Zach as a co-host once again. I cannot express this in words. I think the audience knows how much we love each other. But, Zach, would you like to discuss this Monstober in its full entirety and what our audience should be looking towards this Monstober? Uh, I'm not going to tell them everything, I thought you had a whole thesis. I'm not a Monstober, right? That, that, oh, sure, okay. I thought that was, I was setting you up for your, I know. damn it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, everybody, Cinemodity still sucks in 2020. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Should um, I start would, drinking would now? Are you causing me to drink again? <laughs> it wouldn't be a Zach recording unless we trip over some sort of grand plan that I had to get thrown out the window at the last minute. Okay, um, um, so real quick, The Sopranos? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Rob, this is part of the word processor of the gods and seance modis. I can bring James Gandolfini back for you. Oh. <laughs> see, Whoa. see, Rob. See, there you go. Can, can we, can we uh, see the many saints of Newark early, please? <laughs> yeah, is that even going to come out? I don't know. No, Rob. No, Rob. <laughs> Movies don't exist anymore. Movies don't. Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about Mulan for thirty dollars? <laughs> oh my god! That, we I, should charge our audience thirty dollars to listen to our episode about Mulan for thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a Cinemati's Patreon. $30 buys you a, a, a 50-minute long episode where Rob and I talk about why Disney is horrible. Maybe as a transition, I'm saying to Zach right now, I'm about to pull a gun out of my vagina to shoot myself in the face. Can that happen? That is the dream. That is the dream. <laughs> that is the dream. Okay. I'm, we, we are in true form, everybody. But Zach, please, if you will... Monstober, why? Right. Why did I? Why did you 
come back to this because I, I, I did not write I told you this. why. The rock nonsense was going on. I'm like, oh, good Lord, what are they doing to my podcast? <laughs> and I, had to, I decided to write the, strip, the ship somehow in Monstober. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I remember at one point Rob was like, oh, people are asking me what, what's a Monstober film? And I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean what's a Monstober film? A Monstober <laughs> film speaks for itself. I it's did. Like, oh. I did have a lot of people, uh, you know, Ben, LaShawn, Justin, the, uh, that have become part of the Cinemodities family. They were asking me, you know, about what are we going to do in October? And I kind of stopped there because I was hoping for months that Zach would come back, which he did, thankfully. But a lot of people were picking movies and they went, I don't think this is like a monster movie. And I went, what? Like, what do you mean a monster movie? And they go, Monstober. It means a monster in October. And I went, I fucking uh, hate all of you. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is inherently flawed thinking. That's one thing we don't do on cinematis. We don't take things. We take things seriously. We don't take them literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Zach Bingo. is back. And Zach, yeah, I, think I, guess... I think we've established that. I think we've I, established... I'm, I'm never going to stop saying this, man. Uh, Zach is back for the next two hours. We're never going to stop talking yeah, about hours. how Zach two is back. I'm so ass. excited. Okay, did you get my uh, W-2s? I swear. Uh, all the employees <laughs> have jizzles. I swear. I, I promise you. The car wash down the street might have closed, but we bought it and reopened it. I think that uh, it might not have been the best investment. But, Zach, would you like to describe what we are discussing today as How many times we get to tee this up? <laughs> first Monstober movie that yes. you picked. And I'm so glad that you picked a movie because I've been, I've been having a rough time picking a lot of movies these last few months because everybody sucks but us. So, Zach, would you like to introduce what we're discussing today? Yes. Finally, after uh, 45 minutes of foreplay, <laughs> we are talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 can can i just can i just interject very quickly because yes you are correct we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot but i need to i need to talk about i think we both do the director of this movie Marcus, Marcus Nispel. Nispel because he also directed where are you gun <laughs> Your tits are stupendous. I cannot. Nobody else in the history of cinemodities will understand me saying, where are you, gun? Other than Zach. I don't want to do a whole, we've done our bit on where are you, gun, but where are you, gun? Can can we just, please, where are you, gun? Can you say it, Zach, for me? Where are you, gun? Where are you, gun? Yes! Okay, I'm trying to think. There's some great one-liners in that movie. There's "Where are you, gun? Your tits are stupendous." Shoot the boot. Um, it's part twelve. We're talking about Friday the Thirteenth, part, part twelve, right? Yes, part twelve. Dude, are are we are we too clever for our own good? <laughs> Maybe. Where are you, gun? Now, I will. Fully, I will stop talking. No, I'm not going to stop talking because Zach knows me. I can't stop talking. Zach, Texas Chainsaw... I was about to say Friday the 13th, part 12. Zach, Texas Chainsaw (laughs) Massacre 2003. Why the fuck are we doing the reboot after a year ago 
talking about part two. You got my plate. Now I'm flashback. Now I'm flashback. We did it, my plate! Oh, my brain is burning! Now I'm flashback! Now I'm flashback! Oh! Oh! Leatherface, you bitch! Oh! Look what you did to my sonny Bono wig, dude! Oh, god damn, I can't believe it! You have to buy me a new plate cover! You have to buy me a new plate cover, Leatherface! Oh! Why are we doing the reboot and not the original because I think this is the question everybody's going to ask why the hell aren't you discussing Texas Chainsaw Massacre why are we doing the movie that I would describe as do you know Jessica Biel has tits oh it's there's scenes the best part is that there's scenes in this movie where they turn the water on just to see just to get her nipples hard and there's no reason for it there's no reason for water to be turned on it just happens it serves no narrative purpose just so you can get a wet t-shirt shot audience are you aware that jessica beale a woman has boobies that's this movie <laughs> hey i want it on the record that is back in like the day before like everybody had access to like 24 7 pornography that like that was something that people would go to a movie to see it's like oh i get like before like we got to see naked pictures of like celebrities all the time when they leak getting to see a celebrity's tatas that was that was a big deal like like when we went to go see the friday the 13th remake 11 years ago like Rob wasn't sold on it. Then like he's like, "Oh, I talked to a kid in my math class and he said that we got to see like tits in this." And I was like, "I'm on board." I'm so, so glad you bring that up because I as a young male without a beard, <laughs> I am now a male with a beard, which is why I have a podcast. Uh but before I had a beard, I was a male and I liked boobies. I I still to this day love boobies and this movie has a lot of boobies. <laughs> It's got it's got a couple, not a lot though. It's not gratuitous. Like Jessica Biel is gratuitous, but nobody really else is. Okay, Zach says that as like Jessica Biel has a lot of boobies. She's the lead girl. She is the final girl in this movie. Yes, and but nobody. Like, everything else is rather subdued, though. To be fair, like this this isn't really a like. Other than her, like in her outfit, there's nothing really sexy about this movie. It's a very grimy movie, actually. It, I, I give you that. It really is kind of grimy, and I think uh, maybe this is the point of the discussion where we say, hey, everybody, we're talking about a soft reboot. I kind of saw this, and I think that's where I want to start this discussion, Zach. Is this a soft reboot? Because I did watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, in prior to this discussion, and I I guess maybe we should start there. I, I told you, Zach, uh, off mic that I had not seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper in a long, long time. I think it might have been like nine, ten years since I saw it, and I watched it again, and I kind of loved it. Loved all right, it. all right. That's okay. T- two things. One, I would call this Zach. You film can't a- handle you. You can't handle Rob. The, uh, Rob has. No. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a cinematic oh, podcasting fanatic. You can't handle me, son. <laughs> Answer your question. <laughs> the correct term is reimagining. That's okay. what this is. It's okay. a reimagining. And two, Rob. 
you might have been in control these last few months, but as you know, like any good cinematic oh. discussion, we begin with context. Oh yeah, we are. The context train is leaving of the context. station. Kind of source of context. Um, so you so, ever okay. seen The Sopranos? <laughs> that there's no, no, no more Sopranos talk. You don't get to talk to Jane. You don't get to talk to James Gandolfini now. You lose your, you lose your seance mahadi's privileges. <laughs> the context to, the, to, to this 2003 film with me, and I think I talked about it last year a little bit with when we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Yes, was. I remember when this came out in October of 2003, it came out in that weird period where like Freddy versus Jason just came out a couple months earlier. I wanted to see that mother wouldn't let me see that. And then this came out. I remember like, like E like everyone remembers the E channel back when they actually used to do like entertainment. It wasn't just like the tabloid channel and um, uh, Kardashians. And I remember like they did like behind the scenes stuff on this. It looked like really interesting in the sense of like to a, 11 year old i'm like oh like this like like again this is why i was really like starting to get into horror but more like on a peripheral sense like i had halloween like i had jeepers creepers more stuff that like my mother would let me watch because get she'd those seen peepers we just get those peepers <laughs> rob do you know a fun fact about the jeepers creepers movies oh, I, I actually watched jeepers creepers like a month ago and i hated it but i don't know a fun fact Jeepers Creepers, the first one, is really good for what it goes for. But the no. fun fact is – get out of here. No. Um, now you really lose your James Gandolfini seance mind, these privileges. It is directed <laughs> by a convicted <laughs> pedophile. Oh. Oh, I did not you know, know that. that. Oh, I figured you would know that. I, wait, is it um the principal from uh... – Ferris Bueller's no, Day Off? No, no, it's not <laughs> Chairman Clench from Disney's Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. Um, now that's a reference, folks. If you get that reference, please come uh, on your bingo card. I please can't, come and I your can't make fucking references when I talk to. And th- this is this is why I talk to Zach because Zach gets things. When I talk to other people on this podcast, I go, "You remember this?" And they go, "John Landis murdered children." And I go, "Yeah." <laughs> and he and the, and, the, and Justin goes. Who's John Landis? And I go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> just wait until next. Just wait until until two weeks from now, folks, when we look at the punishments for certain things when your children don't behave in the same body. No, I I honestly did not know that um, that it was directed by a criminal, Convic- a convicted pedophile. Fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Um, look it up, folks. It's true. Um, anyway, though, so like. I I had delved into some horror stuff. Like I'd seen some stuff here or there, but then like I wanted to see that when it came out in that like October, 2003 season, I think it came out the 17th of 2003. And by course, my mother was like, Nope, Nope. And I'm like, all right. And so it just, so it just kind of faded from, from view. And then it came out on DVD in May, May of 2004 and for some reason, this is like <clears throat> when we were like in the process of moving from Florida to New York, my I guess I, I call this period when my parents were flushed with cash from the sale of our house. And they also felt sorry for me. So it was like the summer of they bought me anything I wanted. Woo-woo. Little did I know. Yeah. Little did I know that I kind of wasted that on Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> DVDs and Harry Potter <laughs> Lego sets. But, hey, I enjoyed myself at the time. And that's all that matters. Um, but no, it's like she bought me the DVD and I was genuinely enamored with it. Not in any sort of like super duper meaningful way. Like it's not a film that 
that like really defined me. But it was it was neat because also my nephew, the one who I've mentioned before, him and I were always in the weird like pissing contest. Can you can you just just out of sheer Rob? Can you say it so I can bleep it out in editing? Can you say (sighs) the adjective that goes along with your nephew, please? You got. I'll bleep you it out. You promise to bleep it? I promise to bleep it, but I just literally I am starving for Zach content. Can can you say it so I can bleep it? Please. <sighs> okay. My nephew and yes! I <laughs> The audience is gonna fucking shit themselves because nobody knows what Zach has said all these years, but I I know and I'm gonna bleep it. <laughs> Rightfully so, Rob. Rightfully so. Oh, my God, Zach. I'm so happy to have you back. But please continue. We were all listening uh, to what you were saying, I swear. No, I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, I I think that uh, you are making a good point, which I want you to finish, um, just to interject, because we are, of course, connoisseurs of context. Rob has never seen this movie until two or three days ago. So I have nothing to add. So please, Zach, continue. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the point of the story being is that I was always kind of deprived of horror movies. My nephew never was. Like, the joke was, like, his parents... Yes! (laughs) I know, I know. He's happy. I got to say it again. But no, so, like, the idea that I got to see this movie and he didn't, or I had it, kind of meant a lot. And I remember his mother wouldn't let him watch it. Like, I had the DVD with me, and she's like, he can't watch this. And that was always kind of a weird badge of honor, the fact that I was allowed to have something, and he wasn't. What Kind and, of love a, a one-upmanship type of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, like I said, nice. we were, him and I were always in a pissing contest when it came to uh, buying movies. Oh, yeah. I think, I think until just recently, that's been kind of the bane of my existence for a while, as Rob can tell you, the uh, vast – vast collection of, of physical media that i have and so no so like it was always there i never really like thought about this movie like a lot like in a critical way and then in 2006 i i think i told i told the story last year i finally i remember i i finally got a copy of the texas chainsaw massacre dvd there's the how i got this copy is probably one of the most infamous stories I have with my father. My father and I went up to Red Hook, New York to go to an auction, something, something for some reason. And then we went to the mall afterwards, which was like an hour drive South. And my father brought me to target. He bought me the Texas chainsaw massacre and a star Wars snow speeder. <laughs> and the entire time, all he did is we're walking throughout the store was screamed at how the Texas chainsaw massacre was social pornography. Um, to this day, I still don't know what that term means. Social pornography. I've looked online. It is not defined. <laughs> Rob, do you know what you, Rob, you love semantics. Do you know what social pornography I, is? I have never heard this phrase before. Um, and, and, you know, I am in great awe of the fact that you are telling me that your dad said it first. Because, honestly, social pornography as a term, if I had heard it anywhere, it would have been from an old white man known as Bimpa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there no, you go. I, I have no understanding of that concept, uh, but I want more. Hey kids, I just wanted to read you what I found for the definition of social pornography to be on Wikipedia. And, for full disclosure, this page 
started to exist on August 29th of 2019, so a little over a year ago. Social pornography is a term used in Norway and elsewhere to describe a type of journalism where persons are exposed in an intimate way, especially in matters or situations of private or tragic nature, as a form of entertainment to satisfy a need to watch, akin to peeping. Social pornography often has no other purpose than entertainment and can be considered an example of invasion of privacy. I also want to mention that the referenced pages on Wikipedia include rubbernecking. And once I saw that, everything started to come together. I've been in cars with people on road trips where we have to drive very slowly because of the traffic of the police, of the EMT and fire trucks, and everybody in that goddamn car will make sure that their necks bend at a perfect 90-degree angle to see if someone has died. As Zach and I are about to go on to talk about, we don't think this is exactly what Zach's dad was referring to, but I found this interesting nonetheless. Isn't, isn't social pornography redundant? Like, in a way? <laughs> isn't that like a redundant term? Like, isn't like any pornography in a way social? Like, like is there pri like What's private pornography? Like... Like just like like taking a video of you doing something like by yourself and just you watching it like privately, like exclusively. This, this is why Zach has a namesake <laughs> in the restaurant because he has hot shit like this to talk about, folks. I am so pumped. <laughs> t t t tell me I'm wrong, everybody. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh god, no! You are absolutely kind of constructing the right argument about social pornography. I mean, there's no other way to put it, but I, I never heard that before. And I think kind of, you know, as you say, what wouldn't be social pornography? I think pornography today is so accessible that social, that, like you that's said, what I is, think is redundant. You are absolutely right. Like, you know, everybody can see and... And it just happens. And so what is social versus intimate pornography in this day and age? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of, though, thinking about my father's mindset was that it could have been the idea that it's social – the term social pornography might have been – it's something that's – like pornography, even though obviously it's much more popular than it was then, never yep. mind now, it's the idea that maybe it's something that's accessible, like in the sense of like it's social pornography as in it's trash. It's another way of saying trash or not trash. Well, um, well, I guess I want to use this as a transition into what, um, you know, the, the 2003 version of this movie is versus the original that, you know, we do get a lot of gratuity gratuitous nonsense i should say in the 2003 version where i wanted to make a comparison to the original texas chainsaw massacre if it's appropriate zach if 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 you'll allow proceed me, proceed uh, there there is very little gore in the original texas chainsaw massacre a lot of it is shown through the imagination, and I don't know the last time you've seen the original, uh, but like I said, I rewatched it for this discussion. Like we we don't get to see chainsaws hitting a lot of body parts. It's it's left to the imagination. 
in the original, where in the 2003 version, it is that gratuity of boobies and blood, as I said earlier. Would you agree with that? Or I, what are your thoughts on that? Um, this this is the thing. Like, okay, in preparation for this, uh, like Rob said, he watched both movies. I watched both movies. Nice. But what I did was, Rob, I told Rob about this off mic, is I have a shutter. Look what shutter your brother did service. to the door! <laughs> That's a. We'll get to that. I, 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 just, I, I know I had that in my notes. I just jumped the gun. That was way too early, but look what your fucking brother did to the door. <laughs> you. You ruined the door! <laughs> it's great. It's at. It's okay. So, when I watched the 2000. Going back to context time, when I watched the. Two, the in 2006, when I watched the original film, I found it very hokey. I know last year I said Sal and I really kind of memed the hell out of the movie where yep. we would scream, "Your brother, your look at your brother did the door to each other." We would, that was just that was one of those things we would yell at each other. Drayton Sawyer, um, yeah, yeah. Drayton Sawyer's phenomenal. Um, but like, I always found it hokey. I never, I never really found it scary. I, I back in the day, I found the 2003 film scary. I think the 2003 film is doing something very different. <sighs> That's the thing. I think the 2003 film is trying to have as much of an impact as the first film. Um, as in, like, it's, it's, it's not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just trying to do, trying to kind of put a new hubcap over it. I, a shiny yeah. hubcap. Yeah, you, you think, are correct in the fact that it is not a, like I said earlier, it's not a remake. It might be a soft reboot, but I think you are saying it correctly. It is a reimagining. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like, I know a lot of people have disdain for this because going back to what I was saying earlier um, on Shudder, I have a Shudder trial right now. And one of the things they have that I really like on that is they have the last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs where they'll have a movie and they'll have him do his intro and have they'll have faux commercial breaks where he'll talk about the movie. And, you know, I have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original on DVD. I watched it through the streaming thing so I could have the uh, Joe Bob Briggs commentary. For those who don't know, Joe Bob Briggs is a film critic. He had over the years numerous I don't want to call it. He had weekly shows where he would show horror movies and schlock on TNT. I forget. There's a couple other networks on Showtime. And so he really is a a major character when it comes to film criticism in the horror genre community. And so he – when he's talking about the original film, and I know, as Rob knows, there was going to be the Cinematis Fort year about the origins of the slasher genre, <laughs> and I, I don't think that's ever going to happen now because I think I have a definitive answer for that because it always came down to is that like the argument was, oh, what was the birth of the slasher genre? Was it Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Wait, wait, and, hold, hold, are you are you saying that we won't do the Fort year on? Horror, or are you saying we won't do the fourth year on 2001 because the moment? Oh no, no, the, no, the moment that you let me, I'm doing the Henrik Henry Selick miniseries with Monkey Bone. The only reason I haven't been able I, to is every time I talk about Monkey Bone, Zach goes, "No, no, no, that's 2001," and I went, <sighs> "Folks, folks, I'm just letting you know. Like when you hear this, it's the first Monday in October." If you've been a lo- uh, uh, oh god a day one listener of Cinematis, you know 2021. 
you know, come hell or high water, I'm coming back. I need my 2001 Fort year. So um, I can't do Henry Selleck yet? Fuck! You, you could do Henry Selleck. You just can't do Monkey Bone. No, that Hen- Monkey Bone is the seminal Henry Selleck <laughs> movie. That's our hot take on Henry Selleck. It's his only live-action movie. That's, oh, my that God. Is, that is a hill that only Rob could die on. I'm going to fucking a- murder people. If they talk about Monkey Bone in a you, bad way, it's going to rain on Mars in a bad way, everybody. <laughs> that's an Adventure uh, Time reference. Sure. I'm sorry I cut you off, Zach, but you, you are making a good point that I had to cut you off because only Rob can. Please continue. <laughs> oh, God, where was I going with this? But no, Joe Bob Briggs, Shutter. Yes. He, he sat there, really gave a unique per- – not a unique perspective, but he laid out a very elaborate perspective on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and just how it was doing – how it was when it came to horror movies of this sort of ilk. At the time, th- uh, there was no ilk. This was this was trailblazing in that sense. Sure. It was the first of its kind in a mainstream way. And – but I don't I, – I, I, that's the thing about this movie. As I rewatched it, the – cinephile in me knows how to appreciate it but zach the individual can't help to see this movie see the original as just hokey beyond belief and that's the i I think i i need to push back on the hokiness What, what you're saying is hokiness of the original because i you know think the original is amazing and i haven't thought that in a long time when i rewatched it for this discussion i was kind of blown away in the sense of how off the wall it was like i i don't know my history of horror maybe as well as you do zach but at the end of the day you know i was watching this movie and from the very beginning to the very end i was shitting my pants the scene with the hitchhiker at the beginning you know talking about head cheese and and stuff like that and how his grandpa worked at the 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 slaughterhouse and then they have that whole dinner scene i i kind of loved it i didn't get i guess just to frame this i zach told me he thought it was hokey before i watched it i didn't get that at all i got a sense of ecclesiasticness that I don't think we have seen in a long, long time from horror movies or movies, period. This is the thing, though, and this is this is where it's it's the duality of my brain. Like I said, the cinephile in me and you have the personal taste. And this is always the example I use. Okay. Is Citizen Kane the greatest American film ever made? No. Yes. Because it's freaked. I had to. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to do that. I, I'm. I'm sure glad that wasn't our plane. I am. <laughs> Elijah C. Scuggs is a registered trademark of Universal. <laughs> I had. To, I. I was waiting to just jump that on you, but I'm sorry I cut you off. But go for it. Citizen Kane oh. might Citizen be Kane. the movie. The gr- gr- might be the greatest American film ever made. And I think mo- any film lover has to concede that. But it doesn't mean it has to be your favorite film. Something can be well-crafted, phenomenally crafted, meticulously made, 
you just don't have to, it doesn't mean you have to like it. Yeah. And I think that's my issue with the original is that when I was introduced to, again, my foundations in horror are Freddy, Jason, and them. They are, and, and Freddy being the clown of horror, yeah. you can't, you, that's just how I'm always going to look at a lot of horrors, that's just how hokey it is. Um, but the thing is about this, about the original film, juxtaposed to the 2003 film, is because the 2000 three film there's a sense it's a very different like yes it's a slasher film but i think it doesn't do other than a couple of pieces here and there like the guy getting his leg chopped off sure there isn't really a lot of gore in this film like look look at the death let's take all the deaths for example the 2003 film the, I, I don't know any of the characters names there's jessica beale and there's a bunch of people that's all that's all that matters sure. i'm so, with you zach <laughs> there's jessica beale justin at this point she's been probably known the most people it's justin timberlake's wife and you have her you have her boyfriend you have blonde haired guy you have blonde blonde haired guys Fuck, buddy. Well, we don't I know do what know, she is. I do know Jessica Biel's boyfriend's name because she screams it so goddamn much in the movie. It Kemper. doesn't matter. Kemper. 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 Fucking <sighs> kill me. I hated. Je- I love Jessica Biel. Everybody, don't get me wrong. Like you know, I dig her boobies in this movie, but <laughs> fucking the way she screams makes me hate. Camp. Camp. You know the problem? You know what's okay? I don't want to go too off on this as a tangent, though. But like everybody knows, Rob knows especially my affinity for the early two thousands. And it's even though this film takes place in the seventies, sure, boobies, boobies. Is that <laughs> boobies? Is that like even though this movie takes place in the early two thousands? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It takes place in the early seventies. Yeah. Almost all the characters, like the the teenager characters, dress like they came out of two thousand two. Oh, fucking. You are absolutely right. Every girl has that tied-off midriff type of look, mm-hmm. and every man has a fucking perm with just a, a, a slack jaw tee on. I fucking hate it. I hate I it. it. I love it. I love it. Jessica Biel's outfit in this is how, like, if, again, any woman should dress at any time. Like, that's the thing. Like, like Barbie <laughs> doll, That's it's that early 2000 stick. I love it. I love you my can't early see 2000. my boobies, but you can see my belly button. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. I um, fucking take it. hate it. I hate that I shit. D- don't take it away from me, Rob. Don't take- hey, wait until we get to the 2001 fort year. You're going to be in for a rude awakening for those sort I, of hot I don't, takes. I don't, I, at this point, honestly, Zach, I just want to talk about Monkey Bone. Please. <laughs> it's all right. I, can, I just want to talk, talk about Chris Kattan with a yardstick on his back. Please. Yes. And we'll talk about Bridget Fonda, too. But... <laughs> Good old Bridget Fonda. See, this is once again, I'm bringing it back. Nobody else on Cinemodities gets what I'm saying. Like, literally, I have to edit out 45 seconds of silence every time I make a reference because they suck. Zach, you don't suck. Rob, to be fair, I don't think there's anyone other than me who remembers Bridget Fonda. At least no. you and I. <laughs> Nobody else remembers Bridget it's, Fonda. It's me and you. We're done. <laughs> Rob, name me one other movie that Bridget Fonda, Bridget Fonda is in besides Monkey Bone. Done. Done. I can't. Done. <laughs> I got it. I, got, I, I can name two. Monkey Bone and Lake Placid. Why, why were you talking about anything fast, Monkey Bone? Monkey Bone. <laughs> <laughs>
my god. Oh god. Um. Anyway, though, back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The point being with all this is that there's a certain level of like okay going back to the characters and how they're all murdered you have kemper who gets the same death that the guy does in the first movie where he just gets bashed over the head with a sledgehammer not gory yeah. at all the second kill is the guy this is the only gory kill he gets like he's running in between the clotheslines he gets his chainsaw he gets his leg chainsawed off sure. that's gory sec third kill is the gr- other girl the uh, pepper i guess her name is and we don't even see her death she's laying on the ground leatherface kind of does something with a chainsaw with her laying in the dirt we don't know what it i is. named him pepper why because he spiced up our lives that's a thumb movie reference zach i, I know you're coming know. back you're coming back Woo! rob stop Sexy Chainsaw Massacre. Don't make it the spritz bottle of the battery. I need to to get the spritz bottle of battery acid back out. It has cobwebs. Dude, my my face is burned because you've been hitting me with battery acid this whole discussion and it's not Not stopping me. I I, I need to mention, though, that we talked, you just mentioned the the death scene, the first death. I, I like the fact that in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we have the cleaver to the head, the the hammer to the head death scenes because it's set up by the hitchhiker talking about how they killed cows. In this movie, they're like, fuck you, just people dying is good, right? Well, it's because it's it's like anything else. They're they're in it's the same philosophy at the end of the day. Sure, it might be set up but a it's little not bit better. Set up like like that whole scene the hitchhiker scene in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre is amazing. It's so am- anxiety-inducing that you pick up a hitchhiker and he cuts his hand and he deals, you know, with, I'm going to cut you in head cheese, ha-ha, you know, that type of shit. And it, it makes sense that his family will cleaver people to death. In this movie, it's just, you're dead, Oh, isn't that funny? No, it's it's not. But it's a horror movie, though. Like, but that, I that's, that's the thing. my he, fucking he... problem. It you can't say that this is a horror movie when at the same time, you know, you have people going from the same director. I'll bring it up. Where are you, gun? You... That you, that didn't happen yet. You can't count that. That does not happen yet. That's six years later. I mean, I think I I think I'm lost in the sauce of horror genre setup in the tension of a scene versus just people dying if that makes sense i don't want to see just people die i want to see a reason for them dying but okay but there at the end of the day it's a it's a a family of psychopaths that kill people because they just advanced onto their turf. But but at the end of the day, that's just what both – if you boil both movies down to their essence, it's about a backwoods group of rednecks, unwitting teenagers stumble into their world, and they pay the price for it. That's, that's what both movies are about at the end I, of the day. I don't think that – I mean that is what the reboot, the 2003 film that we're discussing, that's what it's going for. But I think it fails – in that way, I think that they're doing it just because they have to in a reboot sense of film. I, but I don't, 
Yes. I'm, okay. <laughs> but the point being is that, like, okay, why why is any movie made? The movie was made in two, the 2003 movie was made because it was a prop a pre existing property that had names that had uh, a fan base attached yes. to it, yeah, and that's why yeah. they made it. So, like, sure, like they're not going to stray that far from the reservation in the sense of like why are they why are they making a chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake? Oh, because there's a certain thing that comes with that, and obviously making that film for audiences in 2003 is a lot different than making a film of the text of the original film in 1974. You're dealing yep. with a, a 30 year old or 30 years difference, in just how people look at things. Um, I don't, th- I don't think you can compare these movies on that level. Like, okay. I think they're both going for two different things. One is a one again, the 2003 film, even though it's, it's grimy, it's also very slick. The original is everything but slick. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. The original is a kind of candid camera almost is the way I felt. I'm not talking like Blair Witch just, you know, found footage. I'm talking like they set a camera. Like Toby Hooper set a fucking camera down and had someone film it. Like that. that's why I think I have so much affection for the original because – you are correct in saying that it's just teenagers finding a house, period. <laughs> but I think that – but like at the end of the day – okay, I'm trying to explain this, but also I don't want to say I'm defending it. I'm just trying to counter your points. So I guess we should say, Rob, you. I think it's fair to say you prefer the original over the remake. I think oh, that's a fair assessment, right? 200%. And I 200%. think – because I, I haven't said this already, the the sound editing of the original is what makes me hard. Like, dude, <laughs> oh, dude Zach knows I love crazy fucking sounding shit. And in that last, in those last two scenes of the original, the dinner table, the uh, the Sawyer house, which I guess we don't even know until the second one is that Drayton Sawyer is his name, but the people laughing and the grinding noise i'll put a clip in here but dude like i watched the original and this is some shit i live for Constant noise of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what makes that film. And I don't think the reimagining 2003 does it at all. It's more about the visuals. I think that they lost a lot in the sound editing that Toby Hooper grants himself with that, you know, just watching for 30 minutes Sally, you know, Headstein or whatever her name is at the end of the first one screaming ah! like I love people screaming and that movie does it for me man that original Texas Chainsaw Massacre there is so much noise and so much chaos that's what I live for okay but this is where I think you're comparing the films on a level that they're not designed to be compared to 
Oh, is oh that, God. Welcome well, to Cinemodities, uh, let me, everybody. Let me, fin- <laughs> let me finish. When Toby Hooper was making this, there was no, nothing I don't, else like, like I, it. I've told other people, let me finish. For I, I guess I should let you finish. Zach, Zach is back, everybody! <laughs> when he was making this in the early 70s, he was not making it for a studio. He was doing it. It was it was his film. It was, it was this was right at the kind of the beginning of like things were changing in Hollywood in the sense of like it wasn't simply the studio system anymore, and sure. he could be experimental with that. This was after Jaws, that, that, right? No, this is before Jaws. Really? This is before Jaws? What? Yes, when before was... Jaws. Um, a year or two before. Jaws? I think a year before Jaws. God um, damn. Fuck me. Welcome to Cinematics, everybody. The only person that can prove me wrong is Zach. <laughs> It, in the 2003 film is a major studio production produced by Michael Bay. Like, I don't think, again, well, they're we not haven't concern- even gotten into Platinum Dunes yet. Don't even yes. get me fucking I know, but, started. But I think that's the point, though, is that, like, when they were making the 2003 film, they were not making an experimental film because that sort of stuff is jarring. Like, that from the 1974 film. That's the thing. Like when you have screaming and all and I do, I, I'm not, I can't for the record. I'm not saying that the original is bad. It kind of goes back to my same complaints about the Mandalorian is that sure. I'm not particularly fond of it. That does not mean I dislike it or I think it's objectively bad. You're not a boy in a machine. Does that have to be bleeped out? We'll, we'll see how editing goes. Okay, um, <laughs> but that's but that's the thing though is that I'm not I'm not going to argue with you because you're correct. The original is much more experimental and avant garde relative to the remake. But I think that's because the remake is not trying to be either one of those things. I yes. cannot besmirch the remake for something that it's not trying to do. It's kind of like eating a bowl of pasta and getting mad that there's no chocolate chips in it. If that's not what the intended dish was had in mind, I yeah. can't get mad at certain ingredients not being there. And that's that's the thing is that like like you think of a remake and you think of just like anything like most remakes are trash and they're, they're just they're cynical cash grabs, which is what this what the remake is at the end of the day the 2003 film it's a cynical cash grab, but I think it reimagines the original film enough that in a way I think it stands on its own footing. I it's not like you. I think you can – if you did not like, – if you're someone like me that is not particularly fond of the original, I don't think that you're missing out by by not watching that as much as the remake. Because I think the remake goes for its own thing. I think this is why I told Rob before he watched the remake. I said there's two things to keep in mind. Yep. The first one I completely forget right now. I, I know it will come to me. But the second <laughs> one was R. Lee Ermey's performance. Yes. And and you think about all the things that you could port over from that first film. I think about it, Rob. It's 2002. Somebody comes to you and says, "We have the rights to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We want to make. A, we want to do a remake of this. How are we going to do this?" And there are certain things from that film that would just be easy pickings. There'd be, oh, of course, the dinner scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to have the hitchhiker care, the deranged hitchhiker. Oh, we have to have cannibalism. Oh, we have to have all these different things. And guess what? The most iconic moments from the first film, from the original, with the exception of Leatherface, are are not here. 
Like, think about it. There's a lot of things that they could have gone for. Like, oh, a deranged hitchhiker. It's not hard to go find an actor, tell them to be deranged, and sit them in a van with a bunch of teenagers looking uncomfortable. It's very easy, not maybe effectively to emulate that, but it's not hard to duplicate it. And yet they were able to reimagine the hitchhiker sequence in a way that leads the characters down a very similar path to the original film, but it's its own very unique thing. And I would say it's even more terrifying than the original. And I did again, the original was made in a different time and space than the remake, but I would be infinitely like when you think of picking up a hitchhiker and maybe this is the original film bleeding into the cultural fabric of just how we look at things. But when you, when you see a hitchhiker on the road, and someone's like, oh, we should pick him up. The first thing you think of is the hitchhiker from the original film. Some deranged guy with a little like fur satchel that has pictures of, of animals being slaughtered, a, a straight razor. And the moment you do something he doesn't like, he cuts you and then like hops out of your van and like blows raspberries at you as he makes a mark on the side of your van <laughs> with his with his bleeding hand. Cheese. Like, <laughs> They, exactly. they they take the noggin and they cook it down except for the limbs. They tear the chunks away from the bone. They they use a grab bag. They don't throw nothing away. They they use the jowls and the cheeks, the collar, the and the eyeballs and and the tendons and the snipper and the mouth and meat and all the flesh. They boil it down to a big jelly of fat. It's real good. You like it? But that's the thing, though, is that, like, you would think that would be a... Uh, that was from memory, everybody. I love that line so much. I did that for memory. Can I get... Good. Can we... Get, somebody hit me up. 30 bucks on Patreon. We don't even have Patreon. Can you hit me up? Jeez. They pick the noggin, and they cook it down, except for the larynx. Send the, uh, oh God, oh, I can't think of it right now. Check. Oh God. <laughs> Send, no, 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 check. Send a, <laughs> a, a money order, money order, money order to uh, rob something, something. You are Fort absolutely Collins, right. I think that in this day and age, you know, we, we still think about these classic horror movies, the hitchhiker scene in the original, but we desire something more. I don't think it's I don't think it's an issue of more. I think it goes back to everybody's favorite two words or technically subversion of expectations. And I think that three words technically. Um, but <laughs> uh, subversion of expectations. Um, I don't know why I, I forgot the of. But that's the thing though, is that like you think about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you're expecting a certain amount of things from the plot. And instead of again, this is the thing that 
not that it bothers me about the original, but it's like when they see the hitchhiker on the road, like it's a fait accompli that there's something wrong with him. The yes. moment you see him kind of hopping up and down, he has his thumb out. You're like, OK, something bad's going to happen. Even though, yes, the, the same thing can be said about seeing like they almost like the girls wandering down the middle of the road. You know, something bad's going to happen. But it's the idea that, oh, it's this pretty blonde girl. It's like, oh, she looks a fraction less menacing than the hitchhiker. So you're like, oh, oh, what's going to happen here? Because obviously she can't oh, – like you have three well-built men. There's no – I would pretty sure that even Jessica Biel is more muscled than she is. She can't and have it, a gun in her vagina. <laughs> no. And so you go, okay, what's going to happen? And it's the idea that like how is this character going to – spur the events of the film into place oh she kills herself in the van in a very think about when you when you go to a slasher film you expect leatherface to cut somebody in half yep that's the sort of gore that you're anticipating you don't expect gore in the form of a pretty young girl pulls a gun out of a hoo-ha blows her brains out and the camera tracks through the hole in her head oh I have to give you that. I really liked that scene because it threw me for a fucking loop. <laughs> there you go, folks. That, and I think I think that's the highest. Like when it comes to any remake, I think the highest form of flattery you can pay it is the idea that it threw you for a loop. If you, I think that's that's the highest praise you can give any remake, Fair. and I think that's why this film. Is does not I, I, I for the record I, I know usually in most cinema these discussions I go back and I see like what the consensus is on a film I have no idea what the consensus on this film is I don't know if people hate it I don't know if people like it I think it's one of those films that it's it's not as disliked as a lot of other remakes I think it's seen as fine I don't think a lot of people hate it I think people uh respect it for at least trying that um, that's I think what I'll... I found when I did my research uh leading into the remake um this discussion that a lot of people were kind of like it exists and we don't care yeah it's it's not there's nothing there's no movement against it yeah which I which I think is a victory oddly enough in and of itself when it comes <laughs> to any remake uh, if there's no, not anybody trying to get it the deplatform that's a win uh, I think that goes for anything in life. If you're not trying, if you're someone's not trying to deplatform you, you're you're winning. And I think that's the thing. This film knew how to zig when everyone was expecting it to zag. Mm. And there's, it, there's a it lot. Definitely, of it definitely did. You know, I was kind of shocked by how different it was from the original. Um, I was expecting to watch the original and then see something that played the same beats type of thing and it did not so i mean i guess it wins in that category but it was still too generic i guess i I mean you know rob is talking about this from a 2020 perspective of a 2003 movie so i i guess i i would have to revisit it with a different perspective but i thought you know that it was like you said zigging when it should have zagged in a way different from the original, but at the same time, I did not appreciate, except R. Lee Ermy, which I don't know if you want to get into now. We will have to talk about eventually. Yeah, no, we have to get into him, because I think he, he's another 
it's weird that he never became a horror icon after this. I, I get it. He's always gonna be Full Metal Jacket man. Like I, I, I was about it. to say, show me your show me your war face or whatever. You know that that's how he's show me your war face. You know that type of thing. Yeah, like no, like he he'll always be that person. But I just think in the horror community that he didn't become something very unique, and I I think that's disappointing because that character doesn't exist in the original film either. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. Uh, law enforcement in the original film, period. But I don't even think it's law enforcement. I think he's clearly the Drayton Sawyer character as the elder male. Oh, oh, but... yes, as as part of the family that, you know, they, they think they can trust him and they can't type of thing. I, I got that, but you, you are absolutely correct in that, you know, he plays such a good character, and I think his issue is... Not not the issue of this movie, but an issue of Arlie Ermy as a as a as an actor. He plays too well as a character. Like he has not existed in the long run for the reason that he is just a that guy. Does that make sense? Well, it's like what well, I in before when I told Rob about this movie. He's he's like a he's essentially doing the thing that a lot of actors do these days, where it's just they have a shtick. And they run with it. Yeah. Like it's the Kevin Spacey thing before we, we canceled Kevin Spacey. It was the thing of like Kevin Spacey was really good at playing Kevin Spacey. And that was it. It was like, okay, like it's this fun seeing an actor in certain movies. Because <laughs> it's me just like, masturbating in the shower. <laughs> I really, oh God. Oh God, Kevin Spacey. Um, Fuck Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I, I still, I still. Okay, I gotta choose my my. Fuck my girlfriend that likes Kevin's ex girlfriend that likes Kevin Spacey. Fuck her too. <laughs> I love. I, I can't say love. I'm amused in a very cynical way that Kevin Spacey like sexually harassed somebody and he fought a way of defending it. it was like, oh no, I'm gay. And I'm but like, I oh, showed God. you my true self, <laughs> but I expressed my deepest desires. <laughs> I say, I say, I say. His uh, popcorn <laughs> leg horn discussion. <laughs> well, I say, so, I, oh, say I say, <laughs> I oh don't get what people. What is with people liking that sort of just? Uh, oh God, um, accent. Is that an accent? What would you even call it? Yeah, that yeah. I, I like down south a- affectation more than accent. Yes, yeah, yeah, affectation. Yeah. Um, like, I don't get that. Like people like that in like House of Cards back in the day. They like what's his name, James Bond, and Knives Out. And I'm like, it's such a again. It's hard. Like, <laughs> I appreciate the goofiness of it. But, well, like, I say, it's, I it's say, so... I say, I need this girl to vomit on me. <laughs> And a miss are you a vomiter or are you on artificial intelligence? <laughs> we're doing we're doing a lot of sticks right now. Yeah, so many so many bits. Um, but no, getting back to you want to talk about Sopranos real quick? Stop, <laughs> Monstover. The point being with all this is that I think in the remake there's some layer of. There's like almost like a sadism to it. Like it's almost like the first film is feels more like an exploitation film. And this is more of a cynical, sadistic take on us on the same story. I don't know if I feel the same way about cynical or sadistic. I think I want to go back to something you said earlier. I think this is a grimy version 
of the same film. Because I definitely picked up, you know, on the relations from this 2003 remake, reimagining, whatever we're calling it, to the original, but I felt that this was a lot more grimy. It's grimy, but, like, is is it... But, like, I don't... I, I don't agree with that. I think the first film, or the original, is much grimier because it's not as slick. This is too... Po- it's polished grime. It shouldn't, it's, it shouldn't it's, be it's gri- slick, though. I don't... It's, when I watch it's the original, fi- I don't... It's a Michael Bay movie. You're not going to get a Michael Bay-produced movie that's not <laughs> slick. It's baked into the pie. You cannot divorce... You cannot <laughs> separate fair. them. That's that's very you, fair. You can't. It's it's. Let me let me rephrase this. I agree with you that this film is grimy, but it's grimy in the same way that the Haunted Mansion at Disney World is grimy. I kind of feel. I don't know. This is where I'm torn because when I watch this, as as, as much as Rob can do when he watches a remake, reimagining whatever, he has that in his head and. I just have this love for the original and the sound editing of it that, you know, when we see this movie, the 2003 reimagining, whatever we're calling it, they're picking up on certain elements, but they're not fully fleshing them out. And I guess just... Give me an example. Give me an example of that. I I, I think the biggest example is when Jessica Biel is is you know in the house and she gets the beer poured on her face and she wakes up at the dinner scene i think that is a poor reimagining of sally from the original getting knocked out tied up at the dinner scene i don't i don't think those two things have anything in common i i don't think cuz it's not even well fuck we, me <laughs> no cuz i think no because leatherface isn't even in the scene there's no dinner they're just sitting that's the thing is that they how that scene is led up to is that we have Jessica Beale, she she's running away from Leatherface, the two hillbilly redneck women in the trailer, they give her tea, the tea knocks her out, they and obviously she's deposited at the Hewitt household, and she's just there. And while she's knocked out, Arlie Ermey, Sheriff Hoy, is just toying with her as his pants are being ironed. He's literally sitting there in his underwear. In stocking feet, pouring a beer over her to wake her up. I don't think it's meant to be any sort of. It's. I don't think it's meant to be touching the dinner scene. I think it's its own beast entirely. I. I don't know. I didn't feel that way. I felt that it was trying to be a reimagining of that scene, and it didn't work. Maybe you know. I could be wrong. I. I we don't know. We. We aren't talking uh, to the director, but we. I felt that it was hitting that topic from the original and it was failing in doing so. I think it's a moment where you have her, you have our main protagonist interacting with the main villains. I don't like I, at the end of the day, I it's just because similar things are happening in the scene. I don't think it's trying. That means it's trying to emulate sure. another scene. Oh, that's fair. And I think that's what it is because, like in this, in the because Rob, I'm not sure if you know, there's a prequel to this film. Are Texas there more Chains boobies in it? Can I see boobies? <laughs> I think. I'm trying to think, I haven't seen that movie in forever. I'm trying to think back to it. Is, is there it? Any? Um, are you talking about Texas Chainsaw: The Beginning? Yeah, the beginning. Yeah, I have never seen that, but I've read it's about decent. it in my research. It's decent, and um, I just, I just want to see boobies. Period. Boobies. I'm trying to think. I know I'm trying to think. There's two women in that movie. One of them is Jordana Brewster, and I don't think you see hers. 
You might see the other one. Oh, maybe. Wait, maybe? No, you don't see hers. You might. I think you see a bra shot in the first film. That's all yeah, I can remember. I'm not. See... Um, I'm trying to think. I, we have to go. We have to go find the uh, the uh, IMDb thing for like uh, like parents guide. I don't know. Should uh, should I post pictures of of my nipples on the Cinemati subreddit? I feel bad that I'm talking this much about boobies, and maybe people should see my own boobies. Oh boy. Because um, I'm, I'm a fat man with his own boobies. Don't get me wrong. Oh, <laughs> Zach is like, why the fuck did I come back to this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, non-flashback, non-flashback. Um, you got my plate! <laughs> uh, but no, I, okay, I disagree about the dinner scene. Because in, re- in the prequel to the remake, there is the dinner scene. Oh, oh, oh I mean, like, I mean it's, just in, yeah, in, in, yes, in yes, essence? Yes. No, it's it's different. It's its own. It, it works in the context of that film. Well, but well I think very, I have to ask you that the the original dinner scene. The the reason I think that works so well, not only because of the sound editing, is because our final girl in the original is seated at the head of the table, and I really like that touch. And I think that is a big point of that scene that she is almost the guest of honor, if that makes sense. And is that what they do in the sequel, remake, reboot? Prequel to the remake. Prequel to the reboot? <laughs> yes. Yes, he's at the head of the table, but I don't think it has any of that, any level of that context that you're putting into well, it. Well, we, as an audience, attach ourselves, I think, in that original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because the two heads of the table are the final girl, Sally Headstein. Heads, I think, or yeah, Sally Headstein. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And Grandpa, after he's sucked her blood, when they cut her finger open, and I think that adds a lot to that scene, a lot to that tension, because she has given the grandfather life, but now she is also, you know, upon waking up from her horrific stupor of of passing out because of her detriment she she is the head of that table and we get so much because her drayton sawyer leatherface the hitchhiker they're laughing at her and i think that is what makes that scene if she was just at a separate seat if she was just at the side of that table it wouldn't work but it works because she's at the head of that table um, I mean, I mean, did you ever think about it in that way, or did you ever kind of give it that level of detail, or does it deserve uh, that level of detail? That's the thing about talking about a film that's been on a pedestal for forty years. This, this is, is also how- the thing that you uh, should not like. Zach has not been on this podcast for about three months now. Um, this has happened probably every week since Zach has been gone. I have talked in deep analysis about a movie. And the person I'm discussing it with goes, I don't know. I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> no, but I think that's the – not the problem, but that's kind of the conundrum we have with films that have been in the public consciousness for 40 years that are put on an uh, elevated cultural you're, perch. Yeah, you're right. Because we have a lot of time. Like I, are you – like it's kind of like – was that Toby Hooper's intent? Yeah. Or was it easier to shoot the scene that way, having her put there so you put the camera there? Because a couple of times we get her POV and you have them all laughing at her. Oh, so, my God. Not not a couple times. That is a 
that is one of my favorite portions of that fucking scene, man, when we just get to see down south dirty teeth laughing. <laughs> I love it. But but going back to your question though, I think that's the thing is that like was it done because it had a deeper meaning in the narrative of the story or was it done because it was easier to film that way? Yes, yeah. You're absolutely we, we'll, right. We we will never know. I we we won't know because one Toby Hooper fan of the podcast will not talk to us. He hates us. Fan of the Sans podcast. Sans Monty's. Sans Monty's. <laughs> Sans Monty's, Rob. Dude, I need I need that though, you know, when we are talking about films, you and me, Zach, especially, because like I've said at the start of this discussion, that we are discussing things in a way that me and other people cannot. I I hold near and dear to my heart more important than anything the sound editing and I know that you know most people miss that and I think that that is a big issue with Texas Chainsaw Massacre both the original and the remake that I am paying way too much attention to sound when other people are not is that fair to say I think I think it's something that you focus on more. I think it's something that you're more attuned to. Yeah, I mean, uh. yes. Yeah, that that is fair. But, I mean, when when we get into remakes and reboots and any movie past the 2000s, honestly, I feel that I'm paying attention to this more than the creators are. Uh, I, I don't know if it's an issue. Uh, you're, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I, I can't wait too fucking much about sound like literally i i i mean just to to throw back you know zach's gonna love this uh i watched spirited away with justin about a week ago and i had so much to say about the sound editing and justin at one point went shut up can i watch the movie and i said you can't watch the movie without listening to it and we had a big debate. We had to pause the movie and fight about sound editing for a while. But I, I think that I kind of am in that vein where I'm losing the forest for the trees because I am listening more than I'm watching. And and Zach has said, I think before on this podcast, that you know it's 60% what you hear and 40% what you see. And yeah. I've taken that to the fucking maximum that I just want to listen 100% of the time. No, you're not wrong. Um, no, I agree. I think there's much more emphasis put on sound design in the first film than the second film. Oh, oh, yeah, we're not debating that. The first film is a masterpiece of sound. That's why Buckethead sampled it so much on his album, Monsters and Robots. Clip here! <laughs>
But in the new version, I'm still looking for that, and I think that's my problem. It's something that you like, so I can't. If, if you go into it looking for it, don't, I, don't I don't think I don't think that's a problem. Let me finish. Let me finish. You're if hedging you go, your bets. It's okay, but it's like if you're in a okay. Go back to one of my famous food analogies. It's kind of like you really like ham. Like you, you like you are. Let's say an individual loves hamburgers, and it's like okay. And someone says, "Oh, we're going out to dinner in a restaurant." You get excited, like, "Oh, maybe they're hamburgers." But then they take you to an Italian restaurant. Can I eat a Big Mac? <laughs> like, yeah, it's the thing is that like just because you are a tune thing, that's not bad. But if you go expecting to find it everywhere you go, you can't get mad at it for not being there. You're right. You are correct. I don't like it, but you're correct. Uh, Damn straight I'm correct. <laughs> I, I just think that, you know, when when we talk about movies, especially you and I, um, and, and Zach being, you know, the person that talked to me and taught me how to think about movies, um, I'm not – okay with this type of stuff if that makes sense like i have a very specific ideal of what a film should be especially when we're talking about remakes and reboots and reimaginings and i don't like that bill if that makes sense but i think but the thing though is you're making a texas chain so again you gotta look at it in under the lens of they're making this movie to appeal to teenagers and people in their early twenties in the fall of 2003. At the same time, they're playing off brand recognition. And so what they did was they, you're not going to put emphasis. Think about when you're working on a movie, anytime you put any sort of emphasis on something, you're devoting dollars to it in man hours. You're not going to put, Money and man do- money and manpower towards something. <laughs> if ninety nine percent of your audience you is not going to care about fuck it. man yeah, yeah. dollars, <laughs> people power, man dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't see any women on the money. Do you? Um, <laughs> Men don't bleed. <laughs> <laughs> can I? Can I just say you're going to sheen? Period. <laughs> can, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. god. Hey, um, everybody, I'm a boy in a machine. <laughs> so many beliefs this episode, folks. So many beliefs. <laughs> um, but that's, I think that's the point, though, is that the original is experimental. The second, the second film is, not second one, the remake is a Michael Bay produced film in 2002. And I sure. think that, I think if you, because, okay, going back to the Joe Bob Riggs thing, at the end of the thing, he has Darcy the male girl, and like I, I, I can't tell how old she's supposed to be, and she, he's like, which one do you prefer? She's like, I like the remake, and he's like, you goddamn millennials, <laughs> and and she's like, I like it for the gore, which I don't agree with, but I think it comes down to both films were made for two very, very different reasons. Toby Hooper made the first film because he had an idea. The remake was made because it was an existing property that producers felt they could exploit to make money. Yes. Where I, where I give them credit was they had that mindset, but they made not just a competent horror film. They actually made something that wasn't blatantly cynical. And I think that – or it wasn't a blatantly cynical cash grab. 
And I think the moment in the moment and for a second, I'm going to ask Rob to let me go off of my diatribe. It's I think it's moments. I think Rob would agree with me. You're not allowed, single... Zach. You're not allowed. You fucking not... piece of shit. You goddamn motherfucker. <laughs> no. I think I think if Rob anything. Agree with... I want Zach to talk in this episode more than anything. So, hey, folks, Zach's back. Yes. I did a run. I think I think Rob will agree that the greatest, the best scene in the remake is the Arlie Ermy scene in the van with the curly haired guy with glasses. That's that's the best scene in the entire movie. Oh yes, you are. I mean, kind of. I would say it's a toss up between that and when Jessica Biel is running through the warehouse and oh, she God. almost oh, God. catches herself on the meat hook. I really like oh, that. that. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That, that is a really great visual. Maybe because Rob likes boobs. But, no, you are right, Zach, that that, that scene in the cop... It's a cop car, right? The, uh, no, it's the van. No, the van. Yeah, yeah, the van. Well, the van in the later extension when he drives away with him. Let, let's, we'll just rope them in together. I mean, you know, uh, I, I, got, I guess I've just dug myself this hole. Um, Rob likes boobs. So Rob, I want everybody to know. Ever boobies. since even high school, Rob was always a tits man. I'm like he was. That's that's always been Rob's thing. He's always been a big fan of the. Uh, I love me some boobies. The airbag, the airbags. He's always been an aficionado. <laughs> the <of them>. airbag. <laughs> I like some boobies, and in the last few months, as this podcast has learned a lot about my sexuality, I love me some boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I didn't know some things never change. But no, I, that going back to the scene in the van with Arlie Ermy and the curly hair guy, I that thing about it, the best scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is a scene that doesn't involve any gore. Yeah, doesn't involve Leatherface. It doesn't involve chainsaws. It's a scene between two people, and like that alone is mind blowing. Like yeah, that, yeah. that they were able to take a scene between two actors. And have that be the probably the most tense scene in the entire movie with genuine dramatic tension because you have and to describe it to the audience you have Arlie Ermy wants the curly haired guy to reenact the suicide of the blonde girl from the beginning of the film. This goes yep. on to the point where he makes him literally take the gun that she used, put it in his mouth, and reenact what happens to the point where he. This is the part where I say what Arlie Ermy's performance is, or the film overall is very sadistic because what he's doing here. It's horror, but it's not horror in the same sense of being tied up at a dinner table with a bunch of cannibals. It it, it is the same level of anxiety that I got from the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the Hitchhiker. They're very different scenes, you know, but we are watching it in tension, and I love it. But I think the thing, though, is that there's no – like the Hitchhiker is an inherently very cartoony character. There's nothing cartoony about Arlie Ermey's he, – he's cartoony, but he's not as outlandish. I mean, I mean, yes, you're not wrong. I would disagree with the fact that the hitchhiker is cartoonish. I think that he is a real person. He's dialed up to 11. The I problem mean, is that he's dialed up to 11. No, I, I he, think the difference is that the the hitchhiker in the first movie is dialed down. That he is he is someone that is real making that tension. 
And I would agree with you in the sense that Arlie Ermey and that van scene, as we're calling it, is also dialed down. I, but I, I don't agree with the hitchhiker assessment. I just don't. I, when I time I see that hitchhiker character, you can tell that he's, again, it's a fait accompli that he's crazy. Every time you see him, he's just doing something that's just bizarre. The thing about Arlie Ermey is that you don't know until I would say that when you get to the to the point where what he starts pouring the beer over her head that he is part of the group. Yeah, yeah. I I I mean I have to It's cinematic, everybody. I disagree with Zach completely on his first episode back. You are so fucking wrong. That the hitchhiker scene in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is it's it feels that way because he is human. I don't think that cartoony ever plays a part in that movie. But no, but I think that's the thing though is that okay, how would you okay, describe how would you describe the hitchhiker character for the first film? Describe the character to me. In your in anxious, your own words. Anxious. That 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 character makes me anxious. I'm watching that film. No, not makes not makes you feel, but just describe the character of like okay, let's say you you are writing a book report on this movie. Ha ha ha. How would you, you're asked to describe the attributes of the character? How would you describe the character? I can't say boobies. <laughs> no, and you can't say Sopranos either. Dude, at the same time, I'm with you. He is textured. I think that's how I would say it. There, there is nothing about this scene or this character that makes me feel Answer any way other than textured. Textured! I just said textured! That can mean anything. I, that's a blanket term. Zach, welcome back to cinema. That's the Okay, folks, when somebody asks you to describe a character and you say textured, that's called deflection. That's called. I don't know how to feel other than textured. Like this character, Rob's the one that makes me feel in a bad way. It's gonna rain on Mars in a bad way. So this thing's really gonna transmute you into the new glob? Of course. And then I'm gonna make it rain on Mars in a bad way. Fire up those ovens, honey. Rob's the person that used to get mad at me when I would give my politician answers. Where I would give, I, I would go on like a minute long like rant and he'd be like zach you didn't answer the question but you you didn't answer the question and you answered at the same time and bravo that's what that is he deflected textured i don't know how anything talk about the hitchhiker character other than textured maybe if i can go out on a limb further than textured okay okay define textured then define textured for me Synastic? Oh, my God. Oh, God. You can keep oh using God. your big I SAT I hope, words. I hope Zach's thoughts and words come through in the recording. Recording, because, oh, my fucking God, that was amazing. I said synastic, and Zach went. <sighs> Dude, I, I, I just kind of love it in a weird, weird way. If you can't describe why you love it, then that's then that's a point to me. If you can't articulate <sighs> that, then that's a point to me. Oh my god! I hope that I hope that this is the most downloaded episode of Cinemodities ever, <laughs> because we're hitting true form. I I said textured. I've said synastic. I I think the only way I can describe 
this discussion is fantabulous. <laughs> More like Dude, I, 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 I mean, I kind of, you know, it's it's in the same vein. Okay, that... okay, okay. I'll switch it around for you. Describe the Arlie Army Sheriffoy character. Okay, okay. If we if we dive, textured, if we dive into Arlie Ermy, Arlie Ermy in this role is gruff, is painfully gruff. And I think that's why I like him. He is just fighting with our characters and I think fighting with the audience to be in a role that is beyond what we understand. And I think that that's why I loved it so much because Zach, as he mentioned earlier, um, this is one of the things he told me to look out for. You know, you're not just watching a remake, you're watching R. Lee Ermey's performance and he is a gruff anger towards the audience. Is that fair? Did I, yeah. did I do good? No, Zach? no, that's 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 what I wanted for you can to describe I, the hitchhiker. Can I get you can a, do it. You're just choosing not to. Real quick. I've got it. The problem is that Rob, Rob has been lulled into a false sense of security for the last few months. I've got to whip him back into shape. Oh my I've got, god. I've got I've got to make him sharp again where I can okay, sit there and lob these these, these fastballs last, at him. He knows how to hit them. My last three months of W2s. Um, I swear to God, Zach, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to employ this many people. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good Lord. What, what have these other people done to you, Rob? They, they, they've, let, they've let you get fat and happy. I've been the lead for too long. I don't like it. <laughs> now you know how I feel for all the year, for the, how many years we were doing cinema. I've had another podcast. Good Lord. Hurting Cats, the podcast. Oh um, my god! All right, Rob. I'll, I'll, all, right. all right, Rob. Th- these are the training wheels. By the end, by the time we get to uh, American Werewolf in London, we'll 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 get you back into shape. Hey y'all! <laughs> <laughs> this is the combat seat, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. <laughs> no, but the point being between the two is is that I there's a command there's a commanding presence to Arlene Ermy's character. Oh yeah, and and there's also a veiled contempt for the characters it's a it's a hard touch in the way that i wouldn't have expected from this character and i think that's the thing though is that you usually don't have that sort of character in your typical forget slasher film of the time but just in a general horror film you usually don't have that character because Actors of that caliber, because like when you cast Arlie Ermy, you're bringing all of his baggage as conscious, an actor. Conscious feature. You, yes. you cannot cast Arlie Ermy without being like, we are going to cast you as a conscious feature. People are going to listen and pay attention to you. I'm with you. Exactly. And exactly. And I think that same level of casting also carries over to Jessica Biel. I think the reason why she is Movies? a... The reason Boobies? why she's a much more endearing final girl in a slasher film is that at the time, in 2003, Boobies? America grew up with her as the daughter in Seventh Heaven. So there is that level of just you, – you feel like you've known this person. It's kind of one of the few things that holds certain – it's not really a thing anymore in Hollywood, but somebody like Tom Cruise, it's hard to see some of these actors blend in. But I think after a while, like if, if, if Tom Cruise is kind of the extreme example because he's done so much. He's such a public figure. It's movies? hard to see him blend into a movie. Yes, Tom Cruise boobies. 
But with Jessica Biel, you have that level of familiarity with her. So you bring her good girl niceties into the film. And in a way, it helps you root for her without even being consciously aware of it. And I think the same thing goes for Arlie Ermey. Arlie Ermey has never been known for being a warm, cuddly character. When he shows up in a movie, instinctually, I'd say subconsciously, you get your back up. And I think that's the sort of clever casting in this that they cat when they did again this this wasn't a hugely expensive movie, and so when they did cast well known actors, they used that effectively. Like I want it known that like on the poster art, it's Jessica Biel build first, and then build second is the actor that plays her boyfriend. Like that should tell you oh. all you need to know. Yes, boobies. Name. But yeah, that's his name, boobies. <laughs> it says Jessica Biel, then it says boobies next to it. Um. But I think that's like, again, I think a lot of this movie wouldn't work without Arlie Ermey. But at the same time, though, I think it because one thing we haven't even talked about, and it's kind of surprising we've been recording for six hours and we <laughs> haven't even compared the two Leatherfaces. Oh, I, I mean, uh, I, I agree with everything you said about Arlie Ermey and about how uh, commanding a presence that he has in this movie, not only. Uh, in secondary two boobies, uh, but yeah, we we should talk about the fact that we have a slasher film, both this and the the original, that almost doesn't use Leatherface. I mean, I think that's one of the things I want to talk to you about, Zach. Is that you know we've watched a lot of slasher films and we've talked a lot about horror movies. In this month's Dober and last, and the year before, but they they kind of used Leatherface in a minimal way. Am I saying this correctly? He's okay. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I took note of this as I rewatched this. Is that boobies? Please stop at the boobies. Can I, I can't. Stop. No. Okay. No. I, I will. No stop more boobies. With the boobies. If you're not good, Rob, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna respond to any of your pop culture references. Next oh, time you bring up Bridge of Font, next time you bring up Chris Catan, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> okay, one more one more time. Boobies. I'm done. I swear. Th- this is the thing though, is that Leatherface doesn't show up until 30 minutes into the movie. This is only a 98 minute film. He no, only he doesn't show up. Longer than that, isn't it? I thought I thought it was no. like 45. No, the chainsaw comes out at 45. I made uh, note of that. I, think, I might be thinking out. about the original. I think it's the original where it takes like 50 minutes for Leatherface to show up and clunch somebody mm. in the face. I, I don't think it's 50. I think I, it's I, 50. I, I, Zach, I disagree. I, I disagree, but I don't Welcome care. to Cinemodities. Zach and I hate each other. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but that's the thing, though, is that Leatherface, you again, if you were to make this film today, a remake, and they are, they're making another Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. I read a story that they, the director, something, something directors, it doesn't matter. But the slasher icon is the crutch. Yeah. And he doesn't show up, like you were saying, he doesn't show up until 30 minutes into the movie. But at the same time, though, he's like, like Leatherface in the remake, I think he's, it's a very, very different take on the character versus the Gunnar Hansen version. Oh, totally. 
And he's much more of a, a he's just a straight up behemoth brute in the remake. Um, there, there's no depth to the character. There's yeah, no personality. I, I mean, he is essentially I, an unstoppable object. I, I mean, that was something that I really liked in the original. That you know, we get the scene of Leatherface holding his head in his hands, like, like asking himself, you know, no, no dialogue, of course, but asking himself, did I do the right thing? That's what I gathered. Like Leatherface was a person, where in the remake. Like you said, he's just a brute. He is just, I'm going to kill for killing's sake. He's, oh, and that, but like, if you, like, this is the thing, though. I personally prefer that. I, I don't be wrong. The intellect, this is where the intellectual cinephile in me conflicts with just Fuck, me, the individual. I want, I want humanism in my villains, Zach. Uh, I want it. But this is the thing, though, is that, in, and I guess this is this is different because it goes for 2003 and it goes for now as well. Like the Leatherface in the remake is very much a Jason Voorhees. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah he, you are absolutely he's, right. He's just a – he's a force of nature and he's even more – he's, he's more physically imposing than Jason. And – but – and that wasn't too unique in 2003. It was more just towing the line. Yep. Again, keep in mind, Freddy vs. Jason just came out two months earlier that, that year. But by today's standards, we don't get that anymore. Forget, again, the slasher genre is dead. But on top of that, like when you think of your current horror icons, it's Annabelle. It's <laughs> the nun. It's, it's the Babadook. And all these things are very lean, specter-esque creations. There's no physical mass to them. Leatherface in this is literally just, he's a human tank. Yep. And I, and I and one thing I do have to give them credit for in the remake that a lot of films after that wouldn't do effectively is that I would say for the majority of the film, he's not really... In the shadows, like I know, especially toward the end, toward the climax, when he's chasing Jessica Biel throughout the uh, the slaughterhouse, he is well lit. Like it's it's weird. He's not well lit, like in a bad way. Like he's overlit. He's lit in a way that you can see him. Like you, you nothing is hidden. Like in shadows. But at the same time, though, he's not overexposed. And I love that. I hate when they hide things just with with lighting because they don't have the money. And I've. Like it's weird. This kind of goes back to the real scary stories conundrum. Where like I love the des- I don't love the design of Leatherface in this because I'm so freaked out by it. Move the camera away from your face. <laughs> yes, yes. Go back in the episode, folks. You need to get more real scary. It's been two years and we still haven't gotten any new episodes of real scary stories. <laughs> we did get some in a different language, but we didn't get them in English. So I don't know if that's a step forward or a step back. Move um, the camera away. From your face. <laughs> we know why they did that. We discussed it. They were trying to emulate the Blair Witch Project. Because we know they're why boys and a sheep. <laughs> so many bleeps. <laughs> Can't stop the bleep. No, you are you are absolutely goddamn right, Zach. I mean, I think that at the same time, when you're describing how well lit Leatherface is, I have a problem with it in the same sense because they used him sparingly. And well, in the original movie, once again, we're coming back to Rob saying 
the original 1974 movie, 73, 74, did it better. Whether that is because they had less money, who knows? But man, I I did not like this character, Leatherface, being protruded at us, which I thought this remake did. It was just forced on us, I felt. I think, again, I... You're not wrong, but I think it's also the choice of like they're just it was what was popular. Like you're making a Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake two months after Freddy versus Jason, which was gonna be the pulp pulpy and schlocky to no end. Mm-hmm. It was it was too behe- it was it was the, the clash of the Titans. Yeah. And so you wanted to co- they wanted to compete with that. And it should be noted that they, both of these films were new line productions. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. it's so yes. so it's the same not the same group of people, but like it's the same mentality yep. that, that, that's hovering around them. Let's and so fucking it may- pump out horror icons. Yeah. But that's, but again, to, to somebody who was what, 11 in 2003, I ate this crap up. Like I loved it. Like that's like to this day, like I, like I said, I don't like the, the current what horror has become where mm-hmm. it's, it's uh matterless specters. I don't like that. I like my behemoths. I like my Jasons. I like my Freddy, uh, sure. my Freddies. I like my leather faces that are brawny. I do not like, I, to me, having the Babadook, and I know the Babadook is popular for a bunch of reasons now, forget just the horror community, but to have a shadow on the wall just climb around the room, that's not, a shadow can't hurt me. Yeah, yeah. A giant bulking behemoth guy in the in backwoods texas that can probably lift 250 pounds clean over his head it has a sharp chainsaw and a deranged looking face mask on and underneath he's deformed that is terrifying to anybody a shadow doesn't mean anything and i think that's the thing where and we don't get that anymore um again whether somebody likes it or not is a matter of personal preference but to me, the individual, to me, Zach, that's what I want. And this is scratching that itch in a way that nothing else does anymore. And I even, gotcha. like, even, because he, like, okay, I'm not sure how much Rob remembers Jason from the Friday the 13th remake, but, like, I think there's. Creighton there's a Duke? Are you talking no, about no. Creighton no, perf- Duke? No, 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 no. But this is, no, but this is a good point, though. I'm glad. Okay, thank you for bringing that up. Creighton how, Duke, how the same fit. actor, is X in X-Files. And Gosh. every time I watch, like, it's season, like, two <sighs> through seven where Creighton Duke. And I'm like, Creighton Duke! And it's like, no. And I go, Creighton Duke! <laughs> every time I think of Jason Voorhees, I think of a little girl sticking, sticking a hot dog through <laughs> I got my dead mother in that closet. <laughs> beautiful great film go go watch jason goes to hell yeah part nine everybody part nine (laughs) beautiful um but no but i'm glad you brought up jason goes to hell because how think back to how jason moved in that film versus how he moves in the remake you mean like in the in the last 15 minutes because jason like jason goes well the first the first five minutes in the last ten. Okay. Minutes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. that there's there's a certain amount of just like there's weight to it. Like when he walks, you can feel that this is a lumbering, powerful creature. Pain, pained is I think how I described it when we discussed that episode. Yes. But it is it is 
giving weight to a character that deserves it. And I think in that discussion way back when, a year ago, for Mon Stober, I said it, it makes sense that there is weight to this person. And that's what exactly. I want from characters. But, I want them to understand how they feel. But that's the thing, though. I think we get that same sort of physicality from Leatherface in the remake that forget that we don't get about we don't get now. We don't get it from the original. Uh, He's Leatherface is a little too fluid in the original film. I mean, I am OK with you. You are correct in saying that, but I am OK with giving the fluidity of Leatherface in the original in the original film because the original film portrays Leatherface as in his element. Like, we only see Leatherface as a homemaker, you know, especially when he puts the female makeup on at the end of the movie. Um, I I am kind of torn in saying, you know, does Leatherface need fluidity because he is in his element, if that makes sense? But this is the thing, though. I, I don't – again, you're absolutely right. But I think that's how you define the remake from the original mm. is that you have you have a very fluid leather face in the okay. original. But in the remake, he's his own thing. Like, if Rob, if I were to ask you, if I sh- gave you a picture of all 12 incarnations of Jason Voorhees and I asked you to identify which was from each movie, you would be like, what? Oh yeah, no. huh? I'd, be, I'd, I'd go. Which one's Kane? Kane hotter? <laughs> yes, and that's and that's like four of them. And but if I were if I were to show somebody Leatherface from the 1970s film and Leatherface from 2003, they would easily be able to identify them. Sure. And I think that's the thing. They both have their. I think that's the highest prey. And that's what I think I'm trying to get at. At the end of the day, most people will crap on the remake just because remakes are are almost inherently bad across the board. But I think, like I said earlier, the highest form of compliment you can give a remake is that it's able to stand on its own. Yeah. And I think you can't say that for the Friday the 13th remake. You can't say that for the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. But I think you can definitively say that for the 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Ah. Is that it's, it, has its, it has its own footing. It's not trying to redo it, it realizes that the first film is its own has its own spot and you're never gonna be able to usurp it or even try to emulate it so we're gonna tr- we're gonna pull from it but what we do what we do and do not pull we're gonna try to spin to different degrees like think about it. you have what two or three times the amount of family members in the remake yep. as you do in the original and each of those characters are like think about it. you have no grandpa character you don't have you don't have the grandma character, and yet all the characters in the remake have have just as much personality on a visual level as the characters in the first film do, or the original film. I mean, that is a really good point, and I think you have put it finally in perspective to me that that is where this movie succeeds. Even though I might not have liked the remake, I think that you are correct in saying uh, that exactly. All right, Snack we're done. Into our late night movie. Zach is gone from cinema. <laughs> Zach has. I can go home. Into all right, folks. Yeah. All right, folks. I'll see you next year. <laughs>
2020 Fortnite or Fort Month. Dude, Fort I, I mean, I mean, you know, with that being said, um, I I didn't have anything left to discuss about this movie. Was there any finer details you wanted to talk about uh, with the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yes, couple things. Okay. This is gonna be this brief, brief uh, this talking point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I should say that you know that was you you do it, you did it again, you've done it, you did it again, Zach. You put it in such an eloquent way. I don't know how to argue with you anymore, other than boobies. <laughs> if, if only everybody else. You know what? That that I should. I want that <laughs> phrase that Rob just said. I'm gonna have it printed on a business card. I'm gonna have that. It's gonna say Zachary Weber at the top left, my phone number. The top right, my email. And underneath in quotations, it's going to say, "Zach, I can't argue with you because you phrase it just so eloquently." And every single time boobies. somebody disagrees with me about it, and then yes, then it's gonna say ellipses, boobies, boobies. <laughs> uh, I guess. I guess the one thing I wanted to say, um, Jessica Beale. She's a she's a good looking woman. That's all I got. <laughs> but even okay, just give her some credit in this too. Oh no, that... no, no, no. She sucks in this movie. She's a fucking failure as an actress. I mean, ever since we had uh what what you said, Seventh Heaven, I hate Jessica Biel as an actress. I, I I'm not talking about her as an actress, I mean uh, the character. I I like at the end that that She's by herself, but like she's also like considering a lot of last girl characters are very reactive. Sure. I've always loved the fact that she actually does what coordinated the plan to put pigs in a locker. Uh, yeah, get she a meat has cleaver, a a sense of agency that yes. you don't really see a lot in these final girl motifs, which I I did approve of, but at the same time, you know, I mean, didn't. The original final girl, Sally, you know, she she didn't have a plan. Like she said, jumped but, out a window. I mean, yes, she jumped out a window, but she also flagged down a truck to save her. Jessica Beale tries that twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Now that I think about it, and and you're making this discussion, um, she did. Jessica Beale did have a lot more agency than the original final girl. So I'll give you that. But like I even like the very the very end where like you see her hot wiring the vehicle mm-hmm. and you see Arlie Ermy coming out and you're having that suspenseful moment and I had forgotten I'm like wait I'm like I know she runs him over in the end mm-hmm. but I'm like how does this get there and I remembered I'm like wait she's not in the truck and even that is like a clever little bit like yep. it's 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 genuinely suspenseful and I'm like okay I'm like well done and then you even you have her run him over which is great. And you have her run him over like three times, which is always fantastic. It's always like <laughs> – because in a horror movie, you can never run somebody over enough. Oh, and she runs need, him over yeah, three times. as much death by car as possible. <laughs> How about a little reverse action? Listen, I know what to do. A little reverse action. What are you doing, Relax. Donnie? Oh, God, stop, Donnie! <laughs> Can I hit him with a little reverse action? <laughs> <laughs> Good. But no, even the very end after she runs him over and we get the final thing of Leatherface with his one arm and he goes and he swipes the chainsaw at like one of the side mirrors and like we see like – again, the, like she drives away and we camera pull – like pulls in on his face. He's got like this angry like bull grimace and I'm like, oh, I love it. Fucked it up. 
as far as I'm concerned. They should have used him. It should have been more sparse. It should have been a villain, and he wasn't a villain in the remake. But he kill. He literally kills every single person in the movie. Okay, I mean, you know, kill, be killed, whatever. No, I, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. I genuinely I, don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, it? I did not like Leatherface in the remake for that reason. I, I'm genuinely speechless. I just, I, that's, I, I don't. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Welcome I, I back don't even, to I don't even know. Everybody, I know. I think this is like the tenth time I said this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else do I have about this movie? Um, I do like, I also really like the scene where he, he could, um, it's the two girls, those one, like, falls out of the van, goes running out, Leatherface hops off the roof, and chainsaws her, and we have the headlights, and we have, like, I guess the, uh, padding from the van, and it's, like, showering down on him, and he's wearing the boyfriend's face. I think that was spooky, with the headlights and all that, and just, it's very, it's very macabre. I... And I dig it. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point I was kind of checked out with the concept of spookiness, but I, I know what you see and you're talking about, and I kind of just, you know, fell. <laughs> oh, it, it fell flat, I guess, is the way to say it for me. Um, that's that's fine. It's a matter of preference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, in terms of, I guess I should say because I think I've just disagreed with Zach for the last you know hour or so. It did a good job as a Monstober movie. I guess that's what I want to say, is that I understand why you picked it, and I understand why we watched it for this discussion, because I was just going to pick Ernest Scared Stupid if you were not back for Monstober, but this this fit the bill of kind of like, I'm I'm scared, I'm spooked, I'm, I'm in touch with where this movie was going. And I wanted to mention that before we, you know, just completely left the bill or missed the bill of, you know, Monstober in and of itself, that type of thing. I'm (laughs) glad. You're going to be, you're going to be severely. Oh, you're, you're going to like tomorrow's movie then or next week's movie tomorrow. We're recording again tomorrow. No, Zach, next I, didn't, week. I didn't think we got to talk to each other more than once Rob, a month. <laughs> Rob is absolutely going to lose his mind over next week's boobies well, movie. We're talking, we're talking about Griffin Dunn, right? No, that's the third week. Oh, that's the third. Okay, so is there boobies? Do we see Jenny Agutter boobies? I think so. I mean, you know, John Landis murdered children. Is that, <laughs> is that what we need to say right now? Uh... <laughs> That, that don't give things away. <laughs> Keep nobody, it in your pants, buddy. If I've learned anything without you, Zach, in the last three months, nobody gives a fuck anymore. <laughs> uh, hey, I already called dibs on when it comes to that movie, a particular type of punishment for children who don't behave in the restaurant. Dibs. <laughs> and seance modis will also play a role in that as well. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, okay. You know... Final, final, final question about Texas Chainsaw Perfect. Massacre. The remake. What did you think of the bookends of the film trying to claim it was realistic or it was a real life? No, I, I liked it less. I think, you know, because they had John Larroquette as the narrator, which he was the narrator in the original movie. And that bookend was fine. But at the remake, I was like, I, I felt it was a lesson in stupidity. 
Oh. I felt that the audience was saying to us, hey, you don't know this was an older movie. And I hate that shit. I, I honestly felt with the bookends, they were saying to the audience, to me, you are a dumb fool that doesn't understand history. And I hated it. I don't like that shit. Period. So no. No good. I mean, honestly, no amount of boobies can make up for the the narration at the end of this movie. I really did not like it. I'm, I think that is something that... Uh, has come up a lot in these last few months when Zach has not been here. I really dislike the movie telling us what the movie was about. And I felt that way for this uh, remake, reimagining, whatever we're calling it. The movie was telling us, hey, if you didn't get it, this is what we're about. And I hate that shit. I I didn't see it that way. That, for the longest time, freaked me out because I... I, I you have to go back to like the early 2000s and stuff. People all remember part of the marketing campaign for like the original was like – or not the marketing. That's not fair or that's not correct. It was the the lore around the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was that it was real or sure. that like it was based on true events. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I remember learning for the first time like back in like 2003 that like, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based off like a guy who lived in Wisconsin and that – then the pieces started falling to fall into place. But like when I saw this movie, I didn't know that. Like, not that I thought it was real a hundred percent, but it was able to convey that element. It was able, it, it sold me. It sold an 11 year old that this might or might not have happened. Okay. And I think as a storytelling device, it works within the context of the movie. I'm not saying that like I'm going to walk out of the movie and be like, oh, I'm going to research the crimes of Leatherface and the Hewitt family. But I think as a storytelling device, it works for the sake of the movie. Who's Ed Gein? <laughs> I noticed I didn't say his name. I kept it ambiguous. I did. <laughs> See, now you're confusing the audience. I I um I understand where you're coming from, but I completely disagree. I I hated. You don't think fact. it works as a storytelling device? No, not at all. It's a shitty kind of way to interact or enthrall viewership. I'm so sick and tired of this kind of maybe we. But this was but this was yeah, before but all but that. This was real. Oh, fuck that, man. This was before all that. I don't you cannot. Care. Let... I'm a 2020 Rob motherfucker. <laughs> but you have to put yourself into the mindset of 2003. I don't do that, and I hate that, and I I can't. Honestly, I I hate that shit. You know, if we're gonna watch a movie about a real serial killer. Let's make it about that real serial killer with female wrestlers and whatnot. <laughs> Done. That's my last bit of trivia. Done. Becky oh. the Farmer's Daughter. <laughs> Becky the Farmer's Daughter. What was the other one? The Rich Bitch? What was her name? <laughs> Madison the Rich Bitch? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Heather the Rich Bitch. Okay, somebody needs to go check this. Go. We never updated the IMDb page, the fact that the director named all the <laughs> underage girls he slept with. I think it was Heather the Rich Bitch. If, oh, know. yes, Heather. Heather, Heather the, the Rich, rich bitch. bitch, yeah. And Becky, and Becky the Farmer's Becky Daughter. Becky the Farmer's Daughter and Heather the Rich Bitch. Zach, we are in true form. <laughs> <laughs> BDE. I, I hate BDE. 
a lot about this movie, <laughs> but I'm glad that we discussed it as a start to Monstober. And I have to ask, you know, before we get into our real questions, is there any tidbits of information that you wanted to drop on us, or are we ready for our real questions? I'm trying to think. What else do you have to say about this movie? I think again, there's a I, lot, this play- there's a lot to say. About no, this movie. <laughs> no. I think I think I'll always have a special place in my heart for this movie. Um, it, it, it's it's a 2003 2004 memory, which will always be my kind of special place. Um, no, like I said, it's one of those movies that I'm glad people don't crap on it. Like you said, most people just leave it alone. Yep. yep. Um, and I think that's the high, I think oddly enough, that's just the, uh, the best we can hope for any sort of movie of this type. This gets left alone. Yeah, it, it, was a, a, it made point. a lot of money. It that, made more money than Freddy versus Jason. Oh, that it year. Made a sh- I was looking into that. It made a shitload of money, you know, to get, to grant itself the, uh, the prequel that we discussed earlier, you know, but at the end of the day, like I, as well have a special place in my heart for older movies this is not old enough <laughs> i i love me some 70s movies sure this this was not oh fuck man it was, no, it was I fun mean, i like liked I said, it it was I, fun I, I was fun you know i'm glad it's that... a raw it's it's a thrill raw I, in the sense of like you know what this is at the end of the day it's not high art it's it's the equivalent of a theme park attraction that's what it is. It's not yes. meant to be scrutinized. It's not going to be the greatest thing ever. I think it's the greatest thing ever. But <laughs> I don't think – again, it's the equivalent of a theme park ride. That's all you need to know. You have fun. It gets demolished. They build another one on top of it. You have your memories, and that's all that matters. I completely agree that uh, you know I, I watched it, and I loved it for the fact that I got to talk to Zach about it. You know that That is where it ends, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Rob. Cinemati and or late night movie. Do you know what we no. do on this podcast anymore? Are you just fucked to shit? I mean, Cinemati you know or quest? late night movie. I'm going to throw it over to you, Zach. Mister, I'm coming back. I'm going to put this in the spreadsheet. It's going to be the first time in a long time that I get to actually upload an answer, answers to the question of cinemodities and late night that I don't have to preface it with from somebody else because as Zach ah. knows, he uh, he has seen the spreadsheet for the last three months. I've had to go from Ben, from Justin, from LaShawn, and I'm sorry, Zach, I've been putting these in your column. I didn't make a <gasps> column. All right, Cinemati and Late Night Stats for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You go the first, remake. Zach. I am going to say yes I'm going to say definitive yes to Cinemodity because, I, like I said, like as a remake, it does just enough differently. I think it's unique for that reason. Late night movie, I'm leaning toward a no because people are like people would roll their eyes at that. Um, because it's not it's not we- it's unique, but it's not weird. Okay, that that's fair. I like it. I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, but I think a lot of people would blow it off, and for that reason, I give it a no for late night movie. Gotcha. Uh, I'm going to have to go with a hardcore no on both. I, I figured. I don't think this is a cinemodity. You know, as far as I'm concerned, this is still a classic remake, early 2000s, that type of bullshit horror film. I don't think that this is odd in any way, shape, or form, even though, you know, some of the performances, Arlie Ermey, are exceptional. But at the same time, late night, no. 
I don't I don't want to show this to anybody. It, it's become a big thing where, Zach, you know, I'm going to tell you this to you because I don't know if you really listened to a lot of the episodes you haven't been on. Spoiler but alert, I have not. Almost every single time I've had a guest person on this podcast, I go, Cinemodities or Late Night, and they go, what is a late night movie? And some people have even said, I don't watch movies other than at night. And mm. nobody's nobody's understood mm. what we're going for. And and I'm going to say it once again. We, Zach and I, probably just Rob, we hold people in our clutches. We do this weird thing where we just fucking like, put like restraints on people. Ludovico technique, pry their eyes open, and we're getting ready for them to watch a movie. This is not a movie I would want to show to them in that status. So I'm going no to both. Zach is grumbling because I think Zach is like, not only, what have you done to me? What have you done to this podcast? (laughs) Bring these heathens on as guest hosts. They don't deserve to be in my spot on the spreadsheet. (laughs) So... I think with that being said, I have to throw it over to you because for this movie in particular, because I knew that you and I were going to discuss it, and this has been a first in a long time I have Zach back on the podcast, I don't have a lot of restaurant ideas. What? Because I needed, I, I felt I needed just to give you your space and talk about not only what the restaurant has gone through, but what the restaurant will go through, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> sure. Zach, everybody knows Zach is the 49% owner. Fifty. I, I think I've said many times, Zach and I own the restaurant 50-50 until we get into legal troubles when I own 51%. So I needed I needed to keep it free. I felt that, you know, I No, Rob. S- Rob, you have what? 49. I have 48 and Mark Cuban has 2%. <laughs> no, Welcome no, guy, that 3%. 3%, excuse me. Oh my god. So I I was kind of uh taking I I was planning on taking a low key restaurant kind of concept because i think that you know our audience whether or not they love rob they hate rob they've argued with all the guest hosts we have that i have dropped the restaurant on i think everybody is waiting to hear zach what do you got for the cinematic restaurant i got i got two ideas for the restaurant the first one is I want – like much like in the film, we have the hole in the back of the van where the girl blows her brains out and the kid sticks his head in it. We didn't really talk about the kid and yeah, he sticks his Martin. head in it. I was, I was hoping to use the suicide in this episode, but you got it. Go for it. Yes. <laughs> I figured we'll have some – like you know like you have, they have those things like on the boardwalk where like they'll have like the plywood cutouts where you put – it's like you're like a muscle man or you're the woman in the bikini. We have one of those. But we put it in the the circular thing of glass where the bullet in the brain matter is that looks like lasagna, <laughs> another snack item. So you can stick your face in there and be like, oh, look, and you can take pictures with it. That's snack number one. Okay. Um, I think we should have – second one, I'm probably stepping on Rob's toes with this, is some sort of brain matter lasagna 
whether Fuck. it has any sort of brain matter you is another took, issue you entirely. You literally took both of my ideas. So this is why I wanted you to go first because I knew you have my ideas and more. So fuck brain me. matter, las- brain matter, lasagna. I um, wanted to literally put our brains in a lasagna, and you beat me to it. <laughs> yes, but I had much like some of my greatest triumphs in the Cinemati's restaurant, the Vox Lux animatronic, the Nelson Delarosa waiter that punches <laughs> people in the groin. I have a new one. This is a this is a ringer, Rob. Are you ready? I I don't think I'm ready. But I haven't been ready for this whole two-hour discussion, so go for it. <laughs> All right. Actually, my I'm going to hold off on my ringer for a second. Oh! A big pause. I got one more. Fuck? Can I get some brain matter lasagna real quick just to tide yes, me can. over then? Yes. All right. Here's another one. We're going to have an unofficial this, – this is, this is not the ringer, by the way. I just thought of this right now. We're going to have an unofficial wet T-shirt night at the Cinematis restaurant. Boobies? <gasps> Mu- yes, boobies. Much like how in the I film, like at, one, at one point, Leatherface turns on the sprinkler system in the slaughterhouse for no other reason so that we can see Jessica Beale's wet, hard nipples protrude against her thin white T-shirt. We are going to have moments like that where someone's just going <laughs> to randomly pull the, the fire alarm. The sprinkler system will go on just for that reason. <laughs> boobies. <laughs> Yeah, you do agree with me, right? That in the film, he turns the sprinkler system on solely so we can see that oh, with her, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, I there's no did, reason for it to did happen. Did this even come up that you know hard nipples are just a plot point of the movie? <laughs> hard nipples, folks. 2003. It was a different time. <laughs> you can do that today. Um, couldn't oh, you imagine? You, like they do. You can, can you, ima- you can do that today, but you're gonna get in trouble for it. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine if there's a scene like in The Conjuring and they tell Vera from Mika, like, "Okay, we want you to wear a white T-shirt. We're gonna turn the sprinklers on when the ghost comes out." It's like what? Um, in the final, the final snack, the ringer, much oh, like the Nelson, De- <laughs> yes, much like the Nelson De La Rosa waiter, the Vox Flux animatronic. I want. Arlie Ermey, Sheriff Hoyt to come out and he will wrap up your leftovers. <laughs> He'll have a, nice. a well, I don't even know what you call it. A what do you call it? Like a thing of what saran wrap? Yeah, cling yeah, wrap? It's a, it's a roll of saran wrap, right? A roll of saran wrap, and he will come if you have leftovers from your meal at the Cinemati's restaurant, he will come over if you ask and wrap it up and the whole time make sexually suggestive remarks as he's wrapping up your food. I'm gonna take a guess. But your dead body's back here, right? <laughs> Dude, I fucking love it. I, uh, I'm i so pumped. Not only that we had some great snacks from Zach, the snack master, but that we and had And the Zach... Lego Maniac. And, no, don't you fucking dare. <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, you you want to talk about bleeps and edits in this episode? I'm going to edit the shit out of that one. Uh, Zach... <laughs> is back i hope not only for this episode of cinemodities but for the rest of monstober maybe we'll get him playing off of other people but as i as far as it goes right now thank you so much to our audience for listening to the zach nastiness that has happened in this episode zach thank you and any final thoughts 
on Cinemodities or our discussion before we, we end this episode? I don't want it to end, literally. I think that when it ends, I'm never going to talk to you again, and uh, I don't want that to happen. But any final bits of great discussion that you wanted to throw at our audience? How are we going to end this week's did episode? Zach, oh, okay. I was about to say, does Zach just... Did Zach just cancel himself? <laughs> I I mean, honestly, every episode that we've done with a bonus person, you know, I have said we have to end this episode in music in reverse, and none of you get any say because Rob is a hardcore dictator. And I think for the first time in Cinemati's history, I want to give it to you, Zach. You deserve a say, a vote. <laughs> In how we end this episode, do do you have any ideas, or are you just gonna like Zach is just sitting in shock and he's like, I've never had Rob be so accommodating before. Uh. <laughs> I want I want the opening crawl from the original film in reverse with Ooh, the narration. I I can get behind that because that's some good sounding shit, man. Zach, I, I appreciate everything you've done. I hope you come back later on. Uh, audience, you know, don't cross your fingers, period. I, I mean, that's it. Zach, I don't know. Any final words you want to say? I, I Boobies. Guess. Boobies. Boobies. Ja, <laughs> 
in arms of the European Union, in which this castle roams the now spite of the Irish Emissus, number of the first United World Home Brothers, or Spot Elf, number of the heroes, two in Buster, White Sisters, is casting about here. She acted seven years in air for cups of roses at night, the Nahib series of an old hill was in about me that he looks at. Sam no, edit that out. We um, are fucking. We have stuck our dicks in the wrong hole stuck. too many times. <laughs> hey, what I do with the electrical outlet is my business. Um, I just want to. Uh, I just want to stick a fork in the outlet like Dougie Jones, man. At the end of that season, episode sixteen at Twin Peaks. Just hey, we can all dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>